Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. Hey there, everybody. Hope everyone's doing well out there. Uh, Today's episode, we're going to be chatting about how the current situation of shelter-in-place has really challenged you as either a trainer or a coach or just a fitness enthusiast who's just actually just trying to stay healthy and fit during this period of time. Yeah, you know, uh, some of us aren't lucky enough to have, you know, like I've got a garage gym pretty much fully set up, and then Dennis, you have access to the facility. Mm -hmm. So for us, we can kind of keep training as normal. But if you're, say you're doing virtual training with some of your clients, um, you know, not all of your clients are going to have full gym set up. And, you know, you as a trainee, you may not have much at home. So how can we still create, you know, the adaptations we want, especially strength? It's interesting if you really think about the history of fitness equipment uh, in and of itself. It's really, it's, it's still in its infancy. I mean, we're talking, you know, a lot of the equipment that you see today really started coming into being in the 1960s, 1970s. Uh, be, before that, what did we really have for training equipment? You know, we used, we did use mace clubs. Uh, that was a popular thing. Kettlebells were still really popular and dumbbells. Uh, but a and lot medicine of balls. medicine balls. But other than that, that was all really just objects that you picked up and moved around as you as an individual. Yeah, it was a lot of obstacles, so climbing nets, climbing ladders, gymnastic rings. Um, But, you know, this is where it comes down to really understanding principles of training. The years ago, I mean, I heard uh, the adage or the, the saying that a really great trainer or a great coach should be able to kick the crap out of you and train you effectively in literally a closet with a broomstick and a ball. And when at the time when I was younger, I, I didn't get it as much as I do today. And a lot of it comes down to really like uh, if we think about one of my favorite mottos that I love or one of the things that I've always really liked to use is comes from an old movie, uh, old Clint Eastwood movie, Heartbreak Ridge, right? So if you haven't seen it, y'all need to check it out. Classic, I haven't seen that. Classic cheesy 80s Clint Eastwood movie. Uh, but he says in the movie, he says, improvise, ad- adapt, and overcome. And those three things are really crucial in, in all aspects of life. Change is inevitable. Change is one of those things. But your ability to adapt improvise and overcome is really, really a huge asset that you need to have. So yes, you're stuck at home. What are you doing? Uh, for people that have kids, those are great weights right there. You oh yeah, man. Carry your kid around, pick him or her up and just lift them up. Uh, you know, carry them by your side, over your shoulder, give them piggyback rides, right? Toss them in the air for power training. Right. Yeah. Toss them in the air. Don't drop them. Don't Let's drop make sure them. That hand-eye coordination is good, right? right? Yeah. Right? Test so, your grip strength. <laughs> so these are all things that you want to focus on. But there's, there's, that's the things that humans had 
those are the really the only things humans had before this age of equipment came along. Uh, kind of, it's basically you would kind of call it the industrialization of fitness. We had the industrial age in manufacturing and our uh, economy, and now we've had this industrial age in the fitness industry that started in the 1960s, 1970s, and really has been hitting more and more of a peak. When we thought that, I mean, we see it every time we go to shows, you're looking at newer, better equipment, newer, better machines, right? And folks, you are the machine. You were the original machine. I mean, for centuries, for the history of mankind up until the last six, seven decades, we're all we had. So, and the things that you dealt with all the time, whether it's manual labor or let's say you have a water jug at home. The water jug, if, you're, if you get water service at home, those jugs are five gallons. You're talking at approximately, what, 44 pounds? Yeah, and, and that water jug is awkward too, right? Right. And maybe you leave... Maybe you don't put water in it. Maybe you put sand in it. Make it now, heavier. Now think about that. Right. And leave some space in there for that for that content to move around a little bit in there, right? Yep. So you get all that shifting and that variability in the load that you're dealing with, right? And you can play little games with yourself. Maybe we pick it up and you say, hey, the handle is off limits. Mm-hmm. Now let's put this thing overhead with you know as many different grips as I can do, but I can't touch the handle. Right. And so though that's something that... Uh, you can look at and say, okay, it's a container that can hold weight. Now, how do I use this, right? Even if you use a one-gallon milk jug, same thing, right? Empty it out once you drank the milk, or let's say you have a one-gallon uh, of bottled water, same thing. Empty it out, put some steel pellets in there. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I mean, Home Depot is still open, so you can fill it up with hardware, all kinds of stuff. Right? Hardware's are, hardware stores are open. A fifty-pound bag of sand is not is inexpensive, folks. It's not it's not expensive at all. Uh, and there you go, fifty-pound bag of sand. Huck yeah, that around. Totally. I had to fill up my water softener the other day, and those oh, those salts. bags are yes. about forty pounds, and 40 they're pounds. probably about five dollars. So that's another option for you too. Yeah, it's interesting. It's bit, my I grew up with a water softener. You're right, and is especially as a kid. Oh, my, my stepdad would be like, hey, go fill the water softener up. I'm like, oh, you know, when you're 10, 11 years of age, you're like, holy crap, I got to manipulate this big bag. I yeah, and at 10 or this? 11, you know, that, the, the top of that water softener is pretty high too. <laughs> I mean, he's getting a kick out of watching me struggle. but And at the time, yeah, I'm annoyed, but I look back at it, I'm like, it's training. That's strength training right It's there, strength yeah. training. I had to pick up something that was probably easily almost half my body weight. In fact, probably a little bit over, but I, I did it. Like, it wasn't always pretty, right? Uh, but I, I got the job accomplished. I, I got the salt in the water softener, and it gave me a basis of being able to manipulate my spine, be able to move it, moving my hips around, trying to contort and figure out how to manipulate this massive bag of salt at the time. Uh, for me at that time, that was a pretty big object for me to lift and, and deal with. So always think about knowledge is awesome and knowledge is fantastic and knowledge is the key to power. And as a trainer or a coach or even as a fitness buff, same thing. Understand the knowledge principles, but then add some creativity to that, right? 
you know, and I think sometimes, you know, you don't, maybe you don't trust yourself and that's why, but just, just go with it, right? Go play, use your imagination and just try things out. And that's, and what you just said was people don't trust themselves. It's like they're scared to be wrong and it's movement folks. Your body's going to tell you whether or not something's right for you, not for somebody else, but specifically for you. And how many times, how many times have we failed on drills? Oh man, I mean, a lot. I, I can't even, I'd stop counting. Yeah. I mean, when, especially when you're learning something, you're going to screw up Oh, a lot. And, and then you look back and you go, Jesus, what a dumbass. But all that was part of that learning curve. Right? I mean, it's, there's a lot of that. I mean, I look back at a lot of things and I go, holy shit, what was I thinking? Jesus, that was stupid. <laughs> you know, but you, you, you had to try it out. You had to experiment. That's what science is. It's, it's we got to, to a, a actual uh, end result because of theory. Somebody said, hey, I think this could work. In theory, I think this works. Well, there's only one way to take theory to a- actual uh, application, and that's by doing it, right? You got to test it out. You have to test it out. And are things going to go wrong when you test it out? Yeah, of course. It's going to happen. But you can't be afraid to be wrong. That you, The more your confidence is as far as, okay, I'm going to challenge this. If I make a mistake, I make a mistake. Don't repeat that mistake when the mistake happens then take that as a lesson and go okay don't do that again but now how do i change that end result how do i make it a not a mistake right how do i explore this so it it really is being able to be okay and be vulnerable and say okay i I know i'm going to make some errors and there's nothing wrong with that uh, it is what it is, but the real bad part or the real mistake is if you continue to repeat those errors. And, you know, because even within those errors, your your body is still getting stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as long as you're not using a one rep max load to, to just test every single position out. You know, but typically, you know, with the limited resources we have, you're not going to be able to hit those loads. So, you know. I speaking of loads, I'm kind of off the point a little bit. It's kind of like from our other podcast on context. I was kind of like the question is: we always want to be strong, right? We tell people we want to be strong, and we get we see people that can lift a lot of load, right? Some people go, "I can lift four or five hundred pounds." How often do you really lift that much weight? Other than the gym, other than actual training itself. How often do you really lift that much weight? Almost never, man. I mean, unless you're in competition, then that's it. But yeah. once again, I would that's for you're, training. Yep. You're training for that competition, but if you remove those two things out, how often do we lift that much weight? Yeah, I'd say never unless it's like an an emergency and something falls on you and you got to get it off you or, you know, that's those of, freak freak circumstances. Or if you do have to pick up a really heavy object, what do you typically do? You ask for help. You go get friends, right? Yeah, or you get a dolly or something. Or you get a dolly. You get a mechanical <laughs> yeah. tool that's going to help you deal with the weight, right? But you typically just don't go, oh, I'm going to lift this all by myself. 
because logically we have the ability to go, well, that's kind of stupid, right? You think, well, I'm more efficient if I ask for help from somebody. Here's a 600-pound object. I'm going to go get two of my buddies, and we're going to carry this together. So when we really think about how much strength and how much load are we really dealing with, when you're at home, think of how much heavy objects do I have around the house? And it's great to be strong. We're not, we, we want all that for everybody out there. But we want also people to be very comfortable really picking up just most objects around their house. Yeah, you know, so being strong enough that everything around your house feels easy. Right. The maximum amount of force you can produce versus the amount of force you just need to produce on a daily basis, which is much, much lower than what your maximal force production typically is. Yeah. Right. And there's that whole strength curve thing that most coaches talk about. So, I mean, one of our idols is Bruce Lee. And Bruce Lee talked about we want to be like water. Right. And movement should be fluid. But water has the ability to adapt to all these different situations. It can be a liquid, but then it can be a solid. It can be a liquid and then turn into a gas. Right. Water can also take, if you pour water into a cup, it takes the shape of the cup. Water has the ability to find a barrier, hit a barrier but then find ways around the barrier, over, under, around, or with enough water, it can go through the barrier. So think about the adaptability and the improvisational skills that water has. It finds a way. And you as coaches in this current situation, we want you guys to be able to do the same thing. Find a way. Find a way to make it work. How do I do this so that way myself at home and my clients at home can still get that training in to get better at the things they need to improve on? Yeah, so, you know, really understanding training principles, understanding leverage, you know, how can we create load without without anything? So think about gymnastics. You know, gymnasts aren't using any weight. All they're doing is they're changing body angles and they're changing leverage and they're, you know, and they're also changing rep tempo maybe they go down real slow maybe they pause so these are all things that we learn but we need to apply them right a gymnast can hit a pose and hold it but yet instantaneously right afterwards they can do a a, a handspring or a standing backflip instantaneously so they can go from one to the other on the drop of a dime just like that and so That's the type of adaptation and that resiliency that we want you to be able to have. Not to those extremes, but be able to flip the switch to do one thing and then be able to do another right after or before that. And with the advent of social media, with the advent of YouTube, with the fact that we can stream so much content now, the lack of knowledge is not an excuse anymore. The lack of resources is no longer an excuse. This isn't the 1800s anymore where you could use that as an excuse. Oh, I just didn't have any way of of finding out this information. We have more than enough ways to find out more information that we can possibly use. So 
think of right now scientifically, should I be looking at taking some rudimentary physics courses? Should I be looking at taking some rudimentary ge geometry courses? Because these are things that are really going to help you become a better coach. You know, and also look at look at some successful coaches and see if they have programs online, you know, and go through them. If you have extra time, you know, take that time to, to educate yourself and become a better coach. If you have online, so many people are now on offering online courses now. That's pretty much everything that's gone to now. So take advantage of that. So you have this online content so that you can go back and keep referring to it. Being in an actual class has its huge benefits because you're there, you're in the moment, uh, you get that person-to-person -person connection, you get that actual tangible feel of the objects that you're using, the tools that you're using, the application is right there. But with online content, now you have the ability to slow it down, digest it at your own pace. Yeah, so with the, that online class, I mean, you can watch that thing over 100 times. Until you get it. Yeah, and, you know, just if you do have questions, email the instructor. Right. Uh, I know for myself personally, I've told people, I'm like, hey, let's jump on a call. There's a lot of times with this online stuff, you go back, take your time. You don't have to feel like you're being rushed. And, yes, it may take 20 times for you to get through that. And on that 21st time, that light bulb finally turns on and you go, Holy shit, now I get it. Yeah, and, you know, with, with technology and FaceTime and Zoom, you know, after you finish this course, maybe you want to set up, you know, a virtual session with one of the master instructors or the people that created the system themselves, and you can get that, you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching, even if you are in a different area. Yep. So there are a lot of things that we can do now when we're home. Uh, we address that on one of the earlier podcasts, just moving furniture around, right? That's yeah. a great way to train. Just picking up couches and beds and mattresses and moving around and then putting them back. That's training. That's as great as it gets. It's kind of funny because one of my clients this, uh, this morning just posted on Facebook. She talked about how she said, you know, she goes, there are so many times where I think something that you have us do, number one is pointless. And number two is hard as shit. But she says, now that we're in this situation, I get it. She's like, and I thank you for that. She's like, because I'm doing bear crawls when I do this. I'm doing an offset farmer's carry when I'm trying to do this. She goes, I see it. I get it. She goes, I where I didn't see it at the gym because it's not real life as far as in the in that controlled environment. But now that I'm having to do this more daily on my own, now I'm understanding why you had me do things the way I did and what the point is now. Yeah, typically at home, you're not going to have a perfectly balanced object like the gym yeah. and a barbell or a dumbbell or something like that. Right. And if you do, great. I mean, some people have home, have some people have some really stunning home, home gym setups. They really do. I've been watching some Zoom uh, casts of, between different professional athletes, mm -hmm. and I'm pretty surprised at how many of them are like, I, are saying, I don't have a lot at my house, which I'm kind of surprised about. Probably because they spend so much time at the facility, you but know, they, don't, and it's like they go home and it's like, house. you know what, I'm good. Versus, I'm just going to chill out, I'm going to play some video games, I'm going to watch TV. Right. 
Or like uh, like versus like Mark Wahlberg, you see his home gym, oh, right? Yeah, he's got a he's got a full on twenty four hour fitness. fitness. In his... uh, or who else is? Oh, dude, Ronnie Coleman back in the day, dude, his home gym. Holy shit, he had a ton of equipment in there, right? So he was completely decked out. Uh, so yeah, he could have lived in quarantine easy working out, right? Yeah, and it's hard to find equipment right now. That's the other thing too. It is the with the inability to get equipment as readily today as you had just a month ago or a month and a half ago. It does really force you, or should make you really try to reach a little bit deeper into figuring out how do I add little twists and nuances to take something that's I usually do and can kind of be mundane sometimes. And how do I spice it up, so to speak? How do I add on to it? Uh, the old Emerald Lagasse, bam, how do you kick it up a notch, right? How do I make this a little bit? How, where's my progressions? Or in some cases, do I need to regress things? All right. So if we look back at the history of tools, I mean, maces, I think mace bells or maces, we know those are making a huge comeback, but what, 700 years ago, people were killing each other with them? That's right, man. I mean, it was a weapon. That's how it was originally used. And and we think about the the strength of people back then. I mean... Yeah, because what did a broadsword weigh? Do you know? Uh, they were probably upwards of about 5 to 10 pounds. Yeah, and I know most of the weight was in the handle, but still. But still, I it's mean, a lot. I mean... So, trying to swing that thing fast, man. Yeah, I was trying to swing it fast, carrying the chain mail, especially with, with since people were much smaller, they were still very, very, very strong people. And you had about 40 to 50 pounds of armor on. Oh, easy. easy. And you're, you're trekking, you know, to get to these battles, like right? 13, 15, 20 miles, days on end. Yeah. So. And you get there and you're like, all right, let's tired. go. You're tired, dude. Let's battle. Yeah. You're like, shit, we need a break. Well, now you know why people used to arrange times. Like, we're going to meet on the battlefield at this time. And you literally encamped not too far away from each other. You're like, hey, wait, wait, hey, man, it's not 1 o'clock yet. <laughs> it's not 1 o'clock right? yet. Take it easy. Back up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there you was... got to eat still. They got to eat. Like, you, you just spent X amount of time marching to this point, and both sides knew. We got to take a little rest. We yeah. need to recover. <laughs> we want to be fresh for this thing, right? So think about being more creative. Take some courses that you may not think really affect your training, but actually do affect your training. So think out, remove that box that you're in, open it up, and think outside of that. Think like there is no box. Uh, how is something going to help me? Something even as simple as, as what we said with water. Think about the properties of water and then think about, man, I'd like to be like water. I'd like to have as many properties of water as possible. Yeah, think about all the different containers you have around your house that you can put water in. And maybe maybe you fill them up all the way to get max load or maybe you just fill them up halfway so you get this shifting load. All right, yeah. If you, Here's a great way for sandbags. Let's say you don't have sandbags, right? You can go to the hardware store and you can buy sandbags that you can fill and buy the sand. Or let's say you don't even want to do that. Take some uh, garbage bags. They're pretty strong nowadays, right? And take some of those garbage bags and maybe double ply them or triple ply them. Put some sand in there. Close it up. 
Now you have a sandbag. Yep. You could swing that thing around. You could toss it. Right? You know, just like I said, double or triple it up. They advertise how these glad bags are super strong. You can stretch the shit out of them and they're not going to break. So let's put it to the test. I mean, you're outdoors. You're in your garage. The bag, the bag breaks. The worst thing is you got some sand on your floor. Yeah, just don't do it in your living room. Yeah, don't. Yeah, your spouse might get a little pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> so those are just some different ways that you can think about how can I get a little bit more creative and use what's around me, right? Uh, if you're outside, climb a tree. Friggin', you can't get to a gym and you like to climb, climb a tree. Climb a tree. You know, it's funny as I've seen videos in the climbing community of, um, you know, people climbing their house. Really? Yeah, well, outside yeah, yeah. their house. Yeah. Right? Like maybe little yeah. chimney structures, yeah. but then inside, you know, putting their climbing shoes on yep. and traversing their kitchen counters and then going from their kitchen counters to a wall, but their feet can't touch the ground. Right. Oh, it's pretty crazy, man. And and Big. also think about, you know, you've got uh, walls and doorways to push and pull against. You can use a broomstick to really create more intense, more attention and more tissue activation. So whether it's a broomstick, PVC pipe, whether one of it's whether it's one of our stick mobility sticks, whatever it is, think about how can I utilize this? If you put Let's say you take one of those, you fill a garbage bag with some sand and you tie that to the end of a stick. Now you got an offset lever right there, right? There you go. You got a... And it's going to swing. You got a hefty bag mace bell. Right? And so now it's going to swing too. So you've added that dimension to it too. So once you stop swinging the actual broomstick, that bag's still swinging. So you got to deal with that movement also. So you got the inertia of that bag going back and forth. How do you deal with that? And so these are some creative ways that we want you to start to sit back and think about and let those juices get going, man. Let, let's start thinking and going, okay, how can I make this a little bit more enjoyable, a little bit of pizzazz and, and, and think and really create and get my imagination going. Any last thoughts, brother? No, I would just say, you know, at this time it's important to stay active, you know, keep moving. So, just figure out different ways that you can move. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, even if it's half an hour a day. And if you feel like you're going to lose some strength relative to what you were doing before, how quickly is it going to take to get back once you get back into your mainstream swing of things? It, it, folks, it's not the end of the world. You got a lot of people, I'm going to lose all my strength. Well, stop. Just stop. You're not. All right? Yes, you were deadlifting 500 pounds before this quarantine hit. And when you come and when you go back, oh my God, now I'm only lift, deadlifting 400 pounds. It's yeah. not going to take very long before you're back up to deadlifting 500 pounds. So, once again, the tissues are going to adapt rather quickly. They're used to it. You've conditioned them for it. Then it's just getting back and reconditioning them again pro appropriately before you're back to lifting that same amount of weight. So, don't freak out, as they say. What? Stay calm and lift weights. I don't know. Stay calm. <laughs> what, what is? What was that from? Anyways, I don't even remember what the hell that What's was. That from. website. Keep calm and chive on. Chive on. Yeah, that's what. Oh, that's, that's what right. That's what it was. So, all right, everyone. Well, until next episode, everybody, be good to each other. Stay safe, and peace. <laughs>